the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is in studio with us, our financial and retirement expert, as he is every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, Larry Rosenthal. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you this weekend? I am enjoying the day. Enjoying this week. It's been a nice week. You always do. I try to. That's one thing. It's always good to see you in the studio, man. You're always up and smiling and ready to roll. That's a good thing. And you are, too. And you are, too. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show here. We always break down what's happening in the economy and the markets, the first part of the show. Get right into your questions. And as well as subject matter and, and uh, different things that we want to try and teach you. The purpose of the show here is to, to sort of teach you financial planning uh, with the biblical perspective. And let's understand whose money it is and what's going on. So let's just jump over to, you know, we always talk about the difference, Chris, with man's economy and God's economy. Let's just jump right into man's economy a little bit here first and uh, talk about, you know, what's going on with earnings season. Well, about 80% of First of all, people buy stock based off the future earnings or future expectations of earnings of a corporation. And so every quarter, each company reports their uh, profits and their earnings. And about 80% of the S&P 500 so far has reported in April and May. And, and they have beat uh, forecasts, better than expected results. Which is wonderful news, you know. When when stock when when companies are doing well, stock prices tend to rise. The economy tends to expand and, and continue to go up. So, what's all the, the the issues then with why the markets aren't rising, rising, rising? Well, let's stop for a second and take a good look at it here. Last year, the markets did about nineteen percent on the S and P. Year to date, they're about flat. It's okay right now. Wall Street needs clarity of direction, and what we have sort of muddying the waters a little bit. On one hand, are interest rates rising? Because as interest rates continue to, to rise, it will ultimately choke off the capital in the economy and slow the economy down. And, on the, and then on the other hand, um, there's sort of been a muted enthusiasm about stock prices because, again, Wall Street needs clarity of direction with the tariffs, the trade, what's happening in the tariff world, we're going to get more clarity on that over the coming weeks as more and more deals are cut around the world for trade. Then we're going to have some clarity of direction, and we'll, then we'll take a good look at see what's really going on down, down the road. So, you know, in conclusion here, 
the the markets are fine, the economy's fine. We're just going through an intersection of change from fiscal policy and monetary policy, and we need to get on the other side of the intersection, and then we'll have some clarity of direction, and it should be pretty smooth sailing going forward there. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what's happening there uh, with with the markets and the economy and everything. Stay in focus, you know, and and uh, keep your eye on 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 the long picture. Stay diversified. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was was themed investments and tilts on your investments. Tilts on my investments. Tilts on your investments, yes. What are you talking about, tilting an investment, right? Uh, you know, when I, I see this tilt-a-whirl or I see a – you know, remember we used to play with the old uh, ping pong – the way ping pong, the, uh, the tables that you have the thing that you hit the button and then and it t- tilts? A pinball you, machine. That's it. And then you hit the side and you can tilt it. That's what that's yeah. kind of comes to mind. You yeah. remember doing that when you were younger? I do, yep. Yeah. You used to try and jiggle the machine just not quite enough so that you wouldn't tilt it, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I understand. No, boy, those are those are fun machines. They do you even are. see any of those anywhere? No, anywhere? nowhere. I don't you think they, they may still make them. I don't know. I'm sure they do. You know, but he's doing PlayStations some, these days. And, you know, right, Xbox. right, exactly, exactly, yep, yep. So let's talk real quick about, about themed investments and, and tilts in your investment strategies. What does that mean? What's going on? So this past week I was talking with some marketed, marketed analysts uh, you know, on Wall Street who grade investments. They, they take a look at people's portfolios. They take a look at, at different stocks and mutual funds and ETFs and sectors and what's happening, and they break it all down, and they say, well, based off of – you know, our expertise knowledge, this is where we should or shouldn't be investing based off of what's going on and what the objective is with this this type of an investment strategy and stuff like that. So we were talking about, you know, I was explaining, hey, you know, I've got this theme in my investments and I've got this these tilts and, and you know, and, and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, I kind of like that talk a little bit. So bottom line here is when, when you're making your investments – what what theme do you have in your investments? And I wanna I wanna just sort of unpack this a little bit and and bring out the key points in in what goes into the thought of making investments and investment decisions, buy and sell decisions, um, what to put into your investment portfolios. Take a look at your four oh one K, the government TSP, uh, whatever whatever investings your four oh three B plan, the money that's outside of your, your retirement plans. Take a look at why you have them and, and what's going on and match them up with what's, with what's happening in the markets and the economy. So like a theme in an investment might be based off of consumer spending, you know, the spending of, of what's going on demographically. So let's stop for a second and take a look at the U.S. before we look at the globe and say, you know, well, what's going on in the U.S. with demographics? Right now, the fastest growing age group in the U.S. is 85 is plus 85 86 or over wow it is we have seven we have 10,000 people a day turning 70 and a half in the u.s and that's going to happen for another 23 years those are the baby boomers right who controls more money chris the baby boomers or the millennials oh definitely the baby boomers right now the baby boomers do right and so when you when you break down what's happening with spending where do pe- what are baby boomers spending their money on? They're certainly not spending it on pinball machines and and uh, uh, playstations, right? Yeah, 
no. <laughs> right, exactly. So they're, they're spending money on other things that they need in their life. Maybe travel and leisure. Golf maybe, equipment, probably. Maybe golf equipment. Maybe technology. Yeah. Maybe certain types of real estate, right? Maybe certain types of investments. So, so when you stop and you take a look that the economy is driven by consumer spending, you know, two-thirds of the economy is driven by consumer spending, the boomers hold more money. What are they spending their money on now? When you take a look at where they are in, in, the, in the roadmap of life, their, their ages, what are they spending their dollars on? So that's sort of a theme when you, when you stop and you break that down. You know, maybe look into healthcare sectors, right? Biotech, technology, things of that nature. That's where people are spending their dollars on. Didn't you say the millennials were two and a half times smaller than the baby boomers? Stats, something that I heard you say a while back, or something to that effect. They're a lot smaller generation. Well, uh, I've don't got know, a gener- huh? Yeah, I've got a generation graph. I don't have it in front of me, but the uh, the, the people behind the boomers are a lot smaller in size, oh, okay. and then the last generation that just came up is actually going to be just a little bit bigger than the boomers. But they're too young right now to really have any spending impact in the economy. They're, you know, the I believe it. Yeah, I believe it is the millennials, Chris, and they are, you know, in, in, in their in their early twenties, and they're, they haven't reached their peak spending to drive the economy. But so where is that? Thirty-five, forty, something like that. I don't know what the age breakout is of the of the millennials. I'll Google it up here at the break. And no, I mean the peak spending when people start to spend. Oh, the most. people people tend to spend the most when they're forty-seven, forty-eight years old in their uh, life. Okay. Yeah. So it's, that's it's that. A while. It's a while yeah. Away. Yeah. Exactly. That's when they get to their peak spending. But then you say, well, wait a second, Larry. Let's let's take a look at the baby boomers. They're over 47, 48, 49 years old. Yes, that's true. But they're still spending money on their daily needs, which is things for people that are, you know, retired. When, we, when you have more and more, you know, people retiring. And, and, and I, I told you the stat of um, people turning 70 and a half, the stat on people turning 65. We have 10,000 people a day turning 65. That's going to continue for another seven years. So you've got that that bracketed there, people turning 65 and people turning 70 and a half, how long that's going to happen. So there's a a big peak of people moving through society into retirement years, and then what do they need in the needs of retirement? You know, take a look at at the real estate. Take a look at health care. Take a look at technology. You know, what are all the different things that, that people are, are buying in this age group? That's sort of a themed type of an investment. And uh, we're gonna, I see we have to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about tilts on the investment as well. How do you do You're listening to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called SARS Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around 500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform. Zero one two four nine four. 
or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. And if you'd like to dial in, we'd like to hear from you. And uh, if you have any questions at all about your finances, now's a great time to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. That phone number is 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. And remember, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So as we're talking about wealth and growing our assets, remember where the talent, where the ability comes from, right? And and it's coming from the Lord giving us different gifts and things. We'll have you know figure out what are you doing with the gifts that the Lord gives you one day, right? Absolutely. Think about that. So getting back to different different types of ideas inside investments, themed investments, as well as tilts on your investments. So when you take a look at, at what I mean by a tilt on your investment, you have to sort of stop and think about, well, what's coming at us from, from, from fiscal and monetary policy? What's happening in the overall economy? Is, is, has government made some changes? And, yes, this, this government has – this administration has made some substantial changes in fiscal policy with tax, with spending, with, with uh, uh, rollback of regulation – uh, you know, with, with, with all that kind of stuff. And now on top of that, talking about tariffs and, and, and fixing their view on, on trade deficits and stuff like that. So, And then you take a look at what's going on with the Federal Reserve with uh, interest rates starting to rise. So that's sort of a tilt. So as interest rates are rising, you know, we're starting to see all kinds of articles out there on the Internet about floating rate bond funds. And, and this is sort of a tilt. This is, this is a place that we've had our, our, our portfolios invested for quite some time now, and they're doing very, very well with it. As interest rates tend to rise, your traditional types of bonds tend to drop in value. And, and people are always getting confused about that. And you're going to see a lot of bond portfolios this year go negative. But there's two sides to the bond street. The other side is something called uh, bank loan funds. Uh, they're yielding a little over 4% right now, and and they tend to go up in value as interest rates rise. So that's sort of a tilt. Monetary policies changed. Interest rates are rising. So that's going to tell you in some of your investments where you should or shouldn't put some of your dollars. Then you also take a look as as well as, you know, all kinds of crazy stats out there that, you know, May is traditionally the best month for tech companies. You know? <laughs> so there you go, Chris. Back up the truck. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I'm, but uh, yeah, I don't get into those crazy stats or, or on things. Although I do have a stat today that we are going to be talking about uh, towards towards the end of the show, and um, uh, but you know different different tilts on, and and things like that. You know when 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 corporate earnings are doing well, and then you take a look at at GDP came out the other day, gross domestic product came out at two point three percent. Well, it wasn't three percent, which is everybody was hoping for, but it was two point three. 
the, the, the growth was a little muted on there, and I think that has a lot to do with what's going on with the uh, tariff conversation. And, and so we'll see what happens once we get through that over the next several weeks and get a little bit more clarity of direction, and then we'll see, see uh, how the markets react and, and if the economy continues to get a little bit more robust and, and on stuff like that. So tilts. You know, taking a look at at what's happening in the economy, about the housing market. You know, do you want to do you want to put something in a theme with housing? Maybe you take a look at some home builders or, or or different things like that. My point is, is why do you have your investments where they are? What are you, what are you aiming for? And and this all comes down to to sort of saying, you know what, we're going to have a core port of our a core po- portion of our investments where it's, you know, your basic baseball, apple pie type of stuff. And and then we're going to have some little tilts or some extra themes inside of our investment portfolios, taking advantage of really what's going on in the marketplace and the current economy. So how are you positioned in your retirement plans? How are you positioned in your non-IRA assets and in your IRA assets? What are you tilting towards? What are your themes? Be asking these questions to yourself as well as to your advisor. Do, are you putting money into different sectors or are you just broad base? You know, one of the one of the things that I continuously see, Chris, and and it and and it it it, it just does not do well for people, is that they come in and they sit down. And they say, well, you know, here's our investments. Can you take a look at them? And they they might have eight or ten different mutual funds and a couple of ETFs sprinkled in there and maybe some stock. And then when you when you sort of lift the hood of all this stuff and look at what's driving it all, you'll find behind the scenes or inside the mutual funds that a lot of them are invested in the same places and and you end up having diversification in other words yeah in other words you think you're diversified but you're really not because behind the scenes things are are are, are invested in, in in the same places and that's that that becomes a big problem when markets start to move against you you're not as diversified as you really think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to ask you, is, is one of those uh, ways of, uh, I guess, one of your tilts or one of your um, inclinations being tax adverse? Would that be one of them? Um, Absolutely. You want to make sure. So so now you're talking about asset allocation, making sure that we don't have all of our money in one spot. And now you're talking about tax allocation, you know, yeah. money, money that goes into an investment pre-tax, money that goes in there on a Roth side. There's four different tax scenarios that, that come upon or, or, or that the IRS really views our money through four different lenses. And we really need to make sure that we're, we're you know, we have some tax allocation strategies. Think about this for a second. You know, think about how much money you've saved in your retirement plans. Get that number in your head and then go, okay, if this money's all pre-tax, I own 65% of it. Because when mm-hmm. you pull it out, you got to pay taxes on it. Now, you can control where it goes. But you only own 65% of it. And then the question, the second question behind that is, just imagine if all that money was on the Roth side of the ledger right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> How nice would that be, right? Yeah, sweet. Exactly. So, so unfortunately, the Roth only came out in 1998. So people haven't had the chance to save all their years of their life there. And, and there, again, that's a great debate. Did you put money on the Roth side, on both sides, or not at all? And, and uh, the, you know, that really boils down to the tax strategy. So when people come into our office, we, that's one of the things we take a look at is we break down their tax strategies on their investments. And people are shocked a lot of times yeah. at, at how much money they have, they, they're going to have to be paying in retirement years when it comes to taxation. I was thinking another thing that would be interesting to figure out is what is your savings strategy? Because you've got to have a strategy there too, right? 
Are you talking about putting money when you're putting money away? Yeah, your monthly monthly savings. Is it all going into a Roth? Is it going into into a savings account? Are you putting it here or there? How much percentage to go here or there? That's kind of part of it, isn't it? Correct. And the key point to that, Chris, is is sort of breaking down, taking a look at 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 what you currently have now. You know, so so, so let's suppose you have ninety percent of your money that's sitting in a pre tax retirement plan, and you say, okay, I want to continue saving. Well. If you continue saving in the same way you're going, then when you go down the road, you're going to have 90% of your money coming out paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Maybe today, since since most people anyway are in a lower tax bracket now with the tax changes, maybe you start putting a little bit of money on the Roth side of that ledger a little bit so that you can build up the tax-free distribution in your retirement years. So each person's a little bit different, and, and it just boils down to taking a good solid look at the retirement planning. If you were just starting today, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would go with a traditional IRA instead of a Roth. Why well, would- a lot of times when people are, are young and you're saying just starting out, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ask them about their taxes. We'll take a look at it. And, and a lot of times we will recommend to them to go ahead and start on the Roth side right now because as, you're, mm-hmm. as you age through your career, you'll start making more money. And then down the road, you're going to need that tax deduction much more so. You know, the 45-year-old is going to need it a lot more so than the 27-year-old. And the 27-year-old can afford now to put a lot of money on the pre-tax, I'm, I'm sorry, on the post-tax Roth side. And then as your earnings increase over the years, sort of switch it over to the pre-tax side. Hmm. So there is a place for pre-tax, and that's because of what you just said. Yeah, there's a place for all of them, actually. You know, it's tax strategy. allocation strategy. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a whole point. No, there's no doubt about that. You know, taxes are the most expensive thing inside our investments. So, yeah. hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. We'll keep our phone lines open here. Give us a call with any questions that you have at all at 855-ROSE-123. You'll listen to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS number 5618 and 99665. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. 
You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's the phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal here in the studio. Larry. So how's the financial plan looking, Chris, when life expectancy is going further and further? The good news is life expectancy is going further and further, right? <laughs> Okay. Hopefully you're checking on that financial plan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So basically out of every time we we have every 6 years life expectancy increases by a year at this point. Hmm. That's kind of cool, isn't it? So that means I get to stay longer here on the earth. There you go. There you go. It's a double-edged sword. It creates an issue though, all right? It creates another issue and that's called the sandwich generation. And when you stop and and, and take a look at at what is the sandwich generation? These these are people that are, are in retirement, but they're having to take care of elderly parents financially as well as possibly adult children who are still tied to the financial umbilical cord called the sandwich generation. And we're starting to see more and more increases in this happening all the time. You know, the, the, the latest data that we have uh, here, here goes back to 2014 and 15-ish. And we're starting to see increases up to 4.3% of American households now are in the sandwich generation, which and, – and those are just the ones that are responding to the survey. I think it's a lot more just based off of, of what I hear with, with, with our clients all across the country. And, you know, people are having to put this – you know, this goes back to the old thing, oh, you know, the mother-in-law suite type of a, a scenario. And that, that's exactly correct. That is exactly correct. And, and people are starting to plan for this now in their, fin- in their financial plans. One of the questions that we will ask uh, clients in our office is, you know, do you, do you plan to have to take care of, of uh, parents financially uh, later in your retirement years? Or do you expect to receive, you know, some sort of an inheritance? Or do you expect, you know, to have, do you expect to have to help take care of adult children or help them out financially. And a lot of times we see people in the sandwich generation going both ways. I'm going to come back to this in a, in a moment, but let's go ahead and, and uh, welcome Jenna on the line from, from uh, Sterling. Good morning, Jenna. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm fine. And you? I'm well. How can I help you today? Yes. I wanted to find out. I know at one time you could convert an IRA, a traditional IRA, to a Roth. Is that still possible? And uh, I am retired. And I just put money into an IRA because of the tax situation. And I'm wondering, can you convert money from that traditional IRA to a Roth without any penalty? Yes, you can. There is no penalty to do a conversion at all. So you can convert your traditional pre-tax IRA over to your Roth IRA. No penalty at all. You just have to pay taxes on, on, on the conversion. That's all you have oh, to do. Oh, so you do pay taxes on the conversion of what you take out. Yes, because if you think about it here, you put – Let's say you put $6,500 into your traditional IRA. You received a tax deduction for that money going in. So now when you convert it to Roth, you're going to pay taxes on it. But the thing about that conversion is now all the growth is going to grow tax deferred. And as long as it's in the Roth IRA for five years or to 59 and a half, whichever is longer, then you can pull the earnings out completely tax-free. So it would behoove me then to move that from the regular IRA to that because I'm 67. So it, it, it could, yes, it could, and, and people will move money from their traditional IRA to the Roth IRA for a couple of reasons. 
So, so one of the first reasons is that you want to have tax-free income for yourself later in your life. Because if, mm-hmm. you think, if you think about this, Jenna, there's, there's a, a break-even point. If you're going to move mm-hmm. the money, let's suppose you, just to do math easy, let's say you're going to take $10,000 out of your traditional IRA and you're going to convert that over to a Roth. So you pull the $10,000 out, and let's suppose you have to pay $3,000 in taxes. So what's the break-even point? If you take that money from your, from your uh, uh, checking account and pay the taxes, now you've moved $10,000 over to the Roth. Well, on the other side of that equation, what would have happened if you had just kept the money in the pre-tax IRA and invested the $3,000 somewhere else? So there's a break-even point down the road, and it's usually several years. So if you're going to make the conversion from traditional IRA to Roth, there's a two main reasons that people do this. And the first one is, you know, several years down the road, you yourself want to start enjoying some tax-free money. That's fine. And then the second reason is you want to ultimately pass tax-free money on to your heirs because okay. if money goes in a Roth IRA to your heirs, it all comes out to them completely tax-free, and there's no issues okay. with age 59 and a half or anything like that. So okay. in, today, yeah, in today's lower tax environment, a lot of people are really looking at this, but the, the, there's a little bit more building blocks to it, and that is to take a look at your overall tax return, how much money is going on your tax return, and now the conversion money is going to go on there as well. So because you're on Medicare and you're receiving Social Security, most likely, so mm-hmm. you, you have to pay. If, if you have too much money showing up on your tax return, then you're going to have mm-hmm. to pay more money in your Medicare fees. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we want to make sure that you don't go into another tax bracket by by converting a little too much when you could convert it over a series of of years down the road. Okay. okay. So so okay. there's a there's a formula sort of thing that we go through with our clients. If you like, I'll, I'll be happy to send that out to you and oh, and sort of show you how it would work because mm-hmm. our our view on this right now is. Everybody who has traditional IRA should really look to see if they should convert a portion or all of their money to a Roth. But it doesn't mean you should do it. You should at least go through the exercise to see if you want to do it. Because you you may end up doing it and saying, you know what, I'm going to do it because I want my heirs to get more tax-free money down the road. I'm not so concerned about it today. For, for, for my income or vice versa. So there's a, there's a few different ways or a few different reasons why people do that, Jenna. Okay? Oh, great. Okay. Yep. Let me put you on hold. Bob will get some of your information, and we'll send you out some information on, on the do's and don'ts of Roth conversions. Okay? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Give us a call here. So I'm talking a little bit more about the sandwich generation, Chris, which is how do you build this into your financial plan? And in conclusion with all of this, what we want to discuss is, you know, People are living longer, which is great news, and that means that your your costs are going to go up in life a lot longer uh, because you're you're as you say still here on Earth, right? Still which here. is a which is a good thing, okay? Yeah. At the same time, though, you've got to be aware of of uh, older parents that you may have to take care of, and you also have to take take a look at at. Um, 
if you're having to help adult kids get started in life. You know, a lot of kids these days are graduating college and they have lots of big loan payments and a lot of parents are helping them that way as well. So lots of dynamics when it comes to uh, family uh, or, or your financial plan as to what other obligations you may take on during your cash flow years during when you're retired. Well, that's my plan is to be able to, in retirement, uh, move in with either my kids or with you. Save me a lot of money, I think, if I do it that way. <laughs> you're going to move into my house? Sure. You've got a basement, right? I, I do have a basement. Yeah, that's okay. I have a garage. I don't take up much room, you know, and I don't need that much, so it can be fine. Uh, it works for me, then. <laughs> Always glad to have you over, Chris. <laughs> oh, but you're talking permanently now, Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hey, the I'll difference, huh? Hey, I'll mow the lawn huh? for you. I, get on that. I can get on that... Uh, Zambino, there you Zambino, go. whatever it is you have that you mow the lawn with. Yep, there you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, let's shoot on over to Fredericksburg and welcome Jim on the line. Good morning, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you, sir? I'm well. How can I help you? Well, I'm just curious as to whether or not I should start investing into an IRA. Um, I'm a military retiree, and I currently work for the federal government, and I'm investing in their version of the 401k, which is known as the Thrift Savings Plan, and I'm just trying to determine whether or not I should also contribute to IRA Roth versus traditional. I just heard the last uh, segment as well, so uh, just your advice on that, please. Yep, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. I appreciate that. And then secondly, um, if you are you maxing out the TSP with your contributions? I am. Uh, I, I may need to adjust it for uh, 2018, but I typically max it out. Okay, so if you're maxing it out, then the next place would be, yes, you can go ahead and put money into an IRA. I want you to max out that first and then switch over and put the extra money into an IRA. Now, the question becomes, are you putting the money into the TSP on the pre-tax or on the Roth side? Boy, I wish I could answer that. I just don't simply don't recall right now. I want to say it was the Roth side, but uh, I'm not sure. Okay, so check into that, and then on the IRA side, I want you to probably do the opposite. Maybe maybe look at putting it on the pre-tax if you're doing Roth in the TSP or, or vice versa. That way you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting a current tax deduction today as well as tax-free income down the road from the other side, whether it's the IRA or the TSP. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yep. And, and so, I turned 50 this year, so I know that I start uh, – I'm eligible for catch-up contributions. Correct. So that'll enable you to put away even more dollars. And then so, but make sure, because most of the time people are putting the money into the TSP on the pre-tax side, and and it also depends on how you view the world too, Jim. If you want to make sure you have as much money tax-free down the road, then you, in, in ultimately when you really retire, then you may want to go ahead and put it both on both the IRA and the TSP on the Roth side as well. It just depends how much money you have saved up elsewhere. Okay, I understand. Okay. If you like, I'll be happy to send you out some info on on the tax allocations and and take a look at it all for you. Okay. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. Let me put you on hold, and Bob will get some info from you, and we'll we'll go ahead and shoot you out some uh, info next week. Appreciate your the 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 phone call. Have a great weekend. 
you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. We've got lots of calls on the line coming in here. 855-ROSE-123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions, whether it's Roth IRAs, the government thrift plan, your 401k plan, how to build a financial plan looking down the road at, at possibly having to take care of adult parents and maybe still have adult kids who may be in or out of the house tied financially to the umbilical cord. I've, uh, I've learned right. that I'm still an adult kid, and I probably always will be. But Nice. It's a good thing. Let's welcome Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Larry. How are you doing? I'm well. How can I help you? Larry, uh, regarding that previous question with the lady about um, converting a traditional to Roth, let's say, for example, uh, you have a Roth account, and you also have a traditional, and you decide to that you want to convert the traditional to a Roth. That money that you convert, do you still have to, on that amount of money, do you still have to wait the five years before you start taking that money out? Otherwise, you'll pay a tax on that. So there's something called ordering, Robert. There's something called ordering in the Roth conversions, and and the money needs to sit there and incubate for five years. But if the Roth IRA is already open, then the earnings needs to sit there for five years, but the contribution doesn't necessarily. So if the Roth IRA has been open and seasoned five years, then then no, you don't have to worry about that. Even though, what if you opened a, a different Roth account, a different Roth, it's still a Roth account? Yes, then, then okay. you have a new ordering time clock. So you put okay, it in the same same one, yep. So if I put it in a different Roth account, I would have to wait the five years. Correct. Okay. Yep. That's I've got a good. spreadsheet in the office on that, and I'll be happy to send that out to you. It breaks it all down if you want. It's very easy to look at. Okay, I appreciate that. Yep, I'll put you on hold, and we'll get that info, info out to you next week. Bob, if you can just make a note to just send out the ordering stuff on Roth IRAs to Robert, we'd be happy to do that, okay? Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. We're going to take a quick break here. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. 
You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in to talk to Larry, it's 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Larry's playing air guitar. Anyway, back to you, Larry. All right, Chris. Maybe I should bring my guitar in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. <laughs> we just need to find a singer. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Good. Bob, maybe, do you sing? But Bob, maybe Bob can sing. <laughs> he's, he's waving his hand. Give him a shot. How's that? Hey, it doesn't matter. You Karaoke know. week. What is the song? Getting uh, get in with the right mix of fellas. <laughs> Chances are you can go far. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, right. that's pulling out from the archives. There, <laughs> half the audience is going, "Yep, I understand that one, Larry." And the other half's going, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> You're in headlights. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, um, hey, some some news is out here, and it's it's interesting. And this goes back to the annuity war a little bit, but but only twenty three percent of Americans in both private and public sector today have a defined benefit pension plan, meaning that that when you retire, you're going to get a fixed paycheck for the rest of your life. Only twenty three percent of people have that, Chris. Hmm. And so what does that what does that mean for people? How does that how does that play out? You know, and, and stop and think about this. That's the purpose of an annuity. When when you stop and you think about uh you know, you, you, you work all your life and then you you know, you get your gold watch or whatever they give you and then you say, Here's your pension and they give you a check for the rest of your life, um, <clears throat> that's what they're talking about. They're talking about an annuity stream of income and uh, uh, when when the stat came out, I thought, well, that that just you know fuels the conversation again on the do's and don'ts. Should you or should you not have an annuity? And there's so much press out there on annuities, good and bad press on annuities. I was explaining this to a client earlier this week. You know, there's a, there's three different main categories of annuities and, and hundreds of different types. And when you when you stop and look at it, you really have to say, you know, do I want to have a guaranteed stream of income that takes away the risk of the economy going down and the markets fluctuating during your retirement years? An annuity stream of income is something you'll never outlive. So so pros and cons with all of that. But when you stop and you look at it and you say, okay, you know, I'm 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 working, I'm saving, I'm I'm doing all of this stuff, and let's suppose you want to live off of I don't know, pick a number, six thousand dollars a month of after-tax spendable income, and between Social Security, uh, uh, you, you know, you're getting $2,000 a month. So that means now there's $4,000 a month that's going to be dependent upon the stock and bond market and the economy during 20, 30, maybe 35 years of your retirement life. Are you comfortable with that? Or do you maybe take a little bit of that money that you've saved and put it into an annuity? Now maybe that's going to give you another two grand a month, so now you've got four grand of the six grand covered, no matter what happens. Um, so, so that's the main premise of an annuity. Then you get into the different types, and should you have this type or that type, and this benefit or that benefit. But at the, but you need to really break down. And 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 I guess the key point is, how much do you want to have? That's guaranteed coming in. And when you look at this stat that says only 23% of workers, and we all know the federal government has has a uh, defined uh, benefit plan. So that means a lot of people in the in the public sector do not. Uh, I'm sorry, the private sector do not. 
and that's where where an annuity contract can really come in and help out a lot. So, so again, just more fuel to the fire of the great debate. And there are financial advisors out there that will say never put any money into an annuity. Mm-hmm. There are financial advisors out there that only put their clients' money into an annuity, and I believe in both. So you know, there you have it, right? I'll just put it. I'll just put it on out there. I I believe that some people it's appropriate and some people it's not, depending on your assets, your income needs, and your guaranteed income that's already coming in. Also, getting started early too, right? I mean, that's a really important with an annuity. You can't really, you can't really get that much back unless you you know put some in over time. Well, a lot of people fund their annuities, Chris. Either either totally, I guess. Yeah, they, they, they put it in by, by doing a rollover. They'll, they'll put oh, okay. in a lump sum into the annuity, you know, things of that nature. Uh, or you can just simply put money into one, you know, a little bit uh, o- over a long period of time. But really the focus on that conversation is not is the annuity good or bad, is the annuity going to provide you that stream of income that you really want to have in your retirement years. And, and again, there's all kinds of, of, of opinions on it out there, you know. And so I've seen it in, in, in working with, with clients where people just don't need an annuity, and I've seen it where people need an annuity. And, and you know, you, you just boil it down and just, you just show them what, what the deal is and how it will work. Some people want one and some people don't. And, and um, you know, it's, you have to remember, here, here's, here's what people lose sight on. When it comes to guaranteeing income protection, an annuity is really going to be the only thing that does that other than, you know, your Social Security or a defined benefit pension plan that most people don't have anymore. And so when when you when you look at it, if you compare an annuity to a non-annuity investment, you're going to get two different results. First of all, the non-annuity investment can go up and down and all around, and you can run out of money. An annuity, you can't. But in an annuity, you're probably not going to make as much money as a non-annuity investment. And, and, and in some cases, it's a little bit more expensive. In some cases, it's not. So you really have to get education on it when, when it comes down to it. And, and I see the ads in print media and radio and television going back and forth, and I just laugh. I go, no wonder why people are so confused about, about annuity contracts. But they are an investment vehicle. It's, it, you know, just like you take a look at in, in baseball, what's the difference between a fastball and a curveball or a changeup? They're all three pitches, and they can all be used in different situations, just like an annuity is an investment vehicle. But it shouldn't be compared against a non-investment vehicle. It the primary investment objective of it is is something totally different. And so, you know, I don't want to turn this into a pro-annuity program or anything like that, but I'm I'm pointing this out that when you look at these stats that only 23% of Americans in both public and private sector have a guaranteed pension plan coming in during their, and this is the latest data at the end of 2017 National Compensation Survey, you know, when, when you see this low of a number, it begs to ask the question, well, are you still interested in having a guaranteed piece of your income coming in and being protected during 20, 30, 40 years of your retirement life? And only an annuity can solve that. And so, you know, again, pros and cons with it all. A lot of advisors will say never put money into an annuity. A lot of advisors will say only put as much as you possibly can into an annuity. And at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group, we sit down and, and explain the pros and cons and how they work whether or not you should look at considering some or, or, or not at all. 
and and again some people need need a little bit in there some people don't at all it just depends on what your your family makeup is and your investment objectives but don't get confused by comparing the annuity with a non-annuity investment they do two different things just like a fastball or a curveball does two different things to a baseball batter does that yeah if it does i just don't know that i can throw both those types of balls you have to be a good pitcher so <laughs> Chris, I think your fastball might be a changeup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or or through the neighbor's window. One <laughs> That's okay. Uh oh. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that at all. So not not at all. Not at all. So, hey, also some some other information's coming out here. You're going to start hearing some themes on Wall Street. We talk about themed investments, and one of the themes on Wall Street is sell in May and go away. I hear this every year. Sell in May and go away. What does that mean? No, no. I was just <laughs> emphasizing what you were saying. All right. Yeah, so so you know the the old adage is sell in May and go away because the you know uh May through October quote unquote doesn't do that well is is what everybody says in the best months are November through well, you know, when you take a look at that all time, yeah, that that's how they average out the all-time history of it. Yeah. So if you stop and think about it, there's 12 which month historically has done the worst? Which month historically has done the best? There has to be a number. There has to be one month, right? Okay. When yeah. you, you know, which which batter in the lineup at the end of the year did the best? Well, there's only one of nine to choose from, right? So there's only one of twelve months to choose from. So you're yeah. always going to have that stat. So, so you know, eventually. Yeah, but you don't want to be the guy that's the underperformer in baseball. I mean, no, not at all, not at all. That, that that's correct. But the whole theme of sell in May and go away that people just hang their hat on all the time over the fat last five years has not worked at all. They've lost their hat. May through October over the last five years has been the best performing. So don't and November, that. November through April has been the worst performing. Now it was a close tie, it was a close, almost a tie. But actually, May through October eked out over the last five years. Now over the last ten years, it's been the opposite. Over the lifetime, it's been the opposite. But I'm just, you know, you just can't when when you're talking about averages and means, things revert back to the mean. Things come back to the middle a little bit. So, so you know, you don't don't get all caught up in all of this stuff here. Sell in May and go away. Uh, it's stick to the key indicators, right? Stick to what's going on in the in the markets, the economy, and and things of that nature. That that is correct. So, hey, give us a quick ring here. We got a couple minutes left in the show. Got some phone lines that just opened up again. Eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about today, Chris, as well, is how to shop for mutual funds. What are some of the things, some of the more salient points that you may take a look at in shopping for your mutual funds? Well, one of the first things that people really look at is, you know, what's the star rating on the mutual fund? Don't buy the fund based off the star rating, okay? Don't, don't do that. That's a whole different system. You want to take a look at the fund, first of all, look at look at you, you will look at it to see how it has performed according to the star ratings but understand how the star ratings come about and we're not going to break that down today it's just too too long of a, a scenario but take a look at the expenses in the mutual fund 
When you when you want to look at a mutual fund, you have a mutual fund that, that might cost 1.2% on the hidden expense ratios and another one that does the same thing that might cost 06 Well, that, that cuts the hidden expenses down in half, right? So take a look at the expenses in a mutual fund. Another thing to look at is the turnover of a mutual fund. What do I mean by turnover? The turnover ratio of a mutual fund. So think about what a mutual fund's doing for you every day. There's a fund manager and or a fund management team who's sitting there doing buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell all year long for you. At the beginning of the year, they own a certain number of stocks. At the end of the year, they may own a whole different number of stocks. So if the mutual fund has a turnover ratio, let's say, of, of 100%, that means at the beginning of the year, the, I'm sorry, at the end of the year, the stocks that they own will not be the same ones at the beginning of the year. So why do I really care about that, right? Well, it drives another expense into the fund. Plus, if the fund is a non-IRA mutual fund, then this could become a tax issue for you. So in your, when you're shopping your mutual funds, if you're looking at one that's, in, that's not inside an IRA, like a regular uh, uh, joint account or a trust account or something of that nature, you want to look at the turnover ratio and make sure that it's low. The average turnover ratio for a large company stock mutual fund is 64%, just to give you a benchmark to really take a look at. So if something's over and above that, then you're going, hmm, they got a lot more turnover. How's the tax scenario? Can you afford this tax distribution? So you also take a look at, at the uh, capital gains tax ratio that's, that's inside of the mutual fund, too. Uh, because, again, what's the most expensive thing inside investments, Chris? Taxes. Taxes. There you go. That's correct. Then you get into some of the specifics as to how the mutual funds perform against the market or its most com most uh, closely associated index. So, for example, most people understand, you know, the S&P 500 is sort of the market barometer, if you will. You want to take a look at, at, at the risk level, how the mutual fund goes up and down while the market is going up and down. You know, does the market go up and you go up higher? Does the market come down and you go down lower or, or, or vice versa? Take a very good look at the risk level uh, of how that fund moves when the market moves. Also, take a look at the management team of the mutual fund. How long has that management team been managing that particular mutual fund? You know, has, you want to try and find somebody who's been there for a while. Now, sometimes a, um, a fund manager may move to a different company. And you can follow them over. That's okay. But, you know, take a good look at their track record. What what have they been doing in this market as well as other markets? You know, you might get a, a, a new fund manager who's been on a fund, maybe out of college or something, been doing a fund for, for the last seven or eight years. Well, they've never been in a bear market. They've never been in a recession. How are they going to act during that period of time, right? You want to work with somebody who's been in that point. That's another question, too, to be asking financial advisors, you know. What have you been doing in the recessions? You know, the recession of 91, the recession in 94, the dot-com, uh, you know, the dot-com mess in 2000, 2008, you know, all those different scenarios right there. So take a good look at, at how to shop all of that. So. 
Hey, so I'm getting music in my ear. That means the show's going to come down to the wire here in just a few moments. And I want to thank everyone for listening. You can give my office a call during the week at 855-ROSE-123 or go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of your Making Money Sense. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.